Welcome to Bailing, Scaling and Barbecue, where the boys talk about hunting, fishing and cooking. Now to your host, Lawson White. Uh, g'day listeners, today I've got Greg Tonkins, Tonkins from Blue Collar Conservation and Education Service. How are you mate? Good mate, how are you? Good mate, good. Uh, where are you at mate? You have a uh, Dubbo right here. Yeah mate, central New South Wales in Dub Vegas. Yeah, Dub Vegas. Dub Vegas. <laughs> how, how hot is it there mate? Um... I don't know today, mate. Probably only about 35 or so. Last few days it's been that 42, 41, and what dry, dusty, smoky, all of the above. They're not real uh, pleasant. Smoke, smoke city, eh? Yes, unfortunately. Yeah, no. It's uh, I'm at the sunny coast at the moment, and we've got dark clouds everywhere. But mm. I'm sitting in this room sweating. Um, yeah, nice and humid. Nice and humid. Yeah, so. All right, Greg. Well, um, or Tonks, we'll call you. We'll go with Tonks. Um, no tell us, tell us about yourself, mate. Who are you? Where are you from? You know, a bit about yourself. Uh, mate. Well, I started. Um, I was born and, and raised in Newcastle, and uh, my old man was a, a jackaroo for a lot of years when he was a young fella, and he had horses and everything still over there, and um, and you know, property out of Newcastle. We used to go and muster and work cattle on, and we grew up with a border collie that mum and dad got when I was one. And um, I guess that's where I started with dogs and animals. So, um, you know, fast forward like 15 years, you know, I'd learned a lot from the old boy out in the bush and he, he told me a lot of stories of hunting, but obviously uh, we hadn't really done any of that over there. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I unfortunately lost him at 15, which was a bit a bit shit. But, um, and then not long after, I actually lost the border collie as well. So, kind of a pretty bad year. Um, at that stage, and anyway, you know, fast forward a few years, I got another another little dog, another little staffy she was, and um, I'd always, you know, we'd always had birds and horses and dogs and that growing up, so I was always interested in it, animals and training and the environment. And, you know, my dad was old school, but he was also a pretty gentle fella, so I learned a lot from him in them 15 years. Um, and then, yeah, mate, I ended up moving out to Dubbo about nine years ago, um, but started hunting at, I was a bit of a late starter. Um, I started hunting with dogs at 20. So, um, okay. Yeah, which is, you know, some people go, shit, but, you know, I'm 36 now, I've been doing it. But, you know, I was out in the bush for a long time, but mainly interested in the wildlife and, and the working side of things. So that's the reason I started hunting, was to get rid of feral pests to help our, our Aussie natives. Um, and I worked with them in a wildlife park down in Newcastle on and off for about 10, 11 years. And then, um, yeah, when we were 20, me and the missus had been together for only sort of 12 months and we ended up with this little puppy that she worked at a vet's and some young lady or young girl who was about 13 had bought this pretty cute-looking little boy across from the pet shop and taken it home and her parents <laughs> said, no, you're not keeping that. I'm going to give it to the vet's to rehome. So that was the start of my pig-dogging career. Yeah, little Arab, eh? Yeah, mate, and I actually tracked down, it was, it was quite funny, about like, 12 months into, into owning him, and I was exercising him at a pony club down there at Wall's End, just out of Newey, and um, this sort of older fellow would be there, most Arvos running his, his three or four pig dogs as well, and I got yarning to him, and it turns out he, he knocked around with my dad for a lot of years when they were younger, and then um, and he actually knew who, who had bred the dog, and... You know, we just got chatting, where'd you get the dog from? How old is it? It came from this pet shop and, and he actually knew how the dog was bred and it was actually quite well bred. It was just the 
the person had, you know, two pups left and had a few, few sort of, you know, things going on in their life and just had to ditch them at the pet shop. So, um, mm, okay. yeah, mate, I was lucky enough to get tied up with him and, and learned a lot. That was that was the enemy. Here we are, sixteen <laughs> years later. <laughs> sixteen years later, yeah, a lot of education over sixteen years. So, mate, yeah, mate. tell us about um about blue collar canines. Can you can you let the um, yep. the, the listeners um. Because that's how I found you. Um, I, I've watched a lot of your videos, and I'm, it's it, very intriguing. I, I've done a few dog training videos, but um, you go into depth a lot more, and um, you uh, you hit the nail on the head a little bit better than I do. So, um, can you tell us about blue collar canines and, and and what you do and, and the service you provide? Yeah, cool, mate. Well, I am lucky enough to in the industry I'm working with. I, I look after and husbandry and, and train elephants for a living. And in that profession, obviously, uh, I get to meet a lot of professional trainers and I've been really, really lucky to actually be able to work with some of these trainers who are pretty, you know, world-renowned world-renowned guys like um, Steve Austin. He does a, a hell of a lot of conservation work with Springer Spaniels mainly in national parks and basically he'll get a dog to find whatever they need to. Um, you know, he can... He can teach a dog to find a, a, a hawkweed, which is an invasive weed in Mount Kosciuszko. He can train it to find koala scat, quail scat, or indicate on live animals, or go and find foxes or cats, or you know endangered birds that there's only a few left. He'll he'll get some feathers and some poo, and you know he'll put that target odor and imprint that on the dog and go and find it. And um, you know, and he he actually even last year he trained a dog to find uh, leaky water pipes. Wow. Over in Western Australia, so that's big nuts. problems with the mains leaking. So he just, I'll oh, teach a dog to find that under the ground and save you money. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. It is, mate. So you know, I um, I met him and another uh, really good fellow who worked with him called Ryan Tate, and uh, I met them in oh, I think it was probably 2013, 14, and and they're like-minded fellas. You know, they're conservation hunters and they're they're awesome dog trainers and. And they basically changed my philosophy of dog training, you know, as well as working with elephants overnight. Um, and I got to learn a lot of techniques that, you know, I'd never even thought of. And, um, and you know, a couple of other people I met was um, Zayli and Craig Bourne. They're a, a pretty famous couple that, that do uh, a lot of movies. Like, they've done the, the Red Dog movies and they did War Horse with Steven Spielberg. And, wow. You know, Charlotte's Web, Racing Stripes. They, yeah, there's a a whole bunch of stuff that they've done over the years and I actually got oh, I've been lucky enough to work in a couple of movies with them with a couple of my dogs so dirty old pig dogs going into the movie scene <laughs> I did see that that was um, the start of the year wasn't it um, yeah I had one little cameo with Tommy and Link the start of this year and then I had um, oh yeah he was actually in Stormboy the remake with the Pelicans yeah um, I was watching yeah, that yeah he was in yeah so your 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 dogs are in that, are they? Yeah, well, Tommy's just in in Stormboy. Um, Tommy and Link did a, a cameo in some American oh, sitcom series thing that I can't even remember the name of it. Um, but you know they had to be the the cranky guard dogs and then pretend to eat a dead body and you know <laughs> run down the hallway and blow up at the door and playing all the funky little behaviours. And then he was in a, a remake of Wake in Fright, so he did that well, I think the year before last. Um, but you know it, it's just something different like people don't think of pig dogs being actor dogs but yeah I was about to say so that was your that was your pig dog your uh 
Yeah. Wow, that's um. There you go. There you go, listeners. A pig dog can be an actor too. So um. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. That's um. Yeah. That's really cool. So you did Storm Boy and then a couple of um. Yeah. And that... Well, I actually, I actually sent sent Tommy to Azalee handled him for Storm Boy and and she, I mean, she helped. Well, I sorry, I helped her on the on the on the sets. And um, I'd work her when, you know, she needed me to, but she was the main trainer and worker of him, and it was way out of my depth, and it was crazy. Um, but, you know, she would, she'd ask me, you know, okay, I need you to train this, this, and this within the next couple of weeks, and if he could do it, then we're good. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it's very interesting. And learning off those people, another another guy is Mike Burling up in Townsville. He's a, a pet dog trainer um, and, you know, just like-minded. He, he doesn't really hunt but he loves what we do and you know he's all in that same circle all those people I've mentioned they all know each other and and they're all like-minded and they believe dogs need to have a their biological fulfillment done and and they're bred for a purpose and they should be trained for that purpose and if they're not well behavioral issues come out which these people all see so okay that's um we'll get we'll get a bit a bit more into depth we'll um we'll go back to to Greg so We'll get we'll go back into the dog training a bit a bit later on. But so yep. you're dub if you're from Dubbo, um, yep. you got any kids, mate? Yeah, I've got a little ten year old boy. He's actually he's actually eleven next week, and then I've got a eight year old girl. So. Poor fellas, eleven next week, and then Christmas. Mm, yep, <laughs> that's it. He's twelve. Well, he's seven days before Christy, and I'm five days the other side, so I feel his pain. So, uh, so no, you get one big present. Yeah, no, we actually we, we make it a bit fair for him, and he gets something halfway through the year too, like I used to do as a kid. So. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, that's good. That's so. How, how did you? Um, I know you mentioned it before, but how did you get into hunting? Like you know, like because you're, you're a, a pig dog, a pig dog hunter. Um, yeah. How did you get into it? Like, was there someone that said, "I'll oh, come for a run"? Or yeah, there was, mate. So it was. I was into guns, um, like most boys are, um, and you know, I started out shooting and getting rid of feral pests that way and um it was a mate of my dad so he used to be a jackaroo with out and for west new south wales i was on his place and um out shooting there one one weekend and they one of the jackaroos was there and um he actually said oh look mate I've, and I, I met his dog and, and we got a chat and he said look oh, if you want we'll go for a run and i'll show you him working and um and you know like unfortunately with the stereotype in society and what i'd seen down in newcastle there was some you know less than favorable characters that got around in the pig hunting industry and i, I was you know i wasn't part of that no. uh, and anyway this this bloke took me out and after meeting his dog like his dog was just a basically a family pet that was a hunting dog which is most of them and um yeah mate i was blown away i was really impressed with how he hunted and how he acted around us and how he, he interacted with the pig and old mate had a really good handle on him like he'd switch over and switch off with the best of the best of the um, at that stage i had that little puppy at home that we got from the vets and he was only sort of six months old but he was almost a spitting image of this dog and i was kind of like well i wonder if he'd like to have a crack at this and you know lo and behold he did i showed him one pig and he was straight into it yeah so oh, awesome i was lucky so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've had a few dogs and it's taken a lot more than one pig. So. Oh, mate, yeah, exactly. I've got that one now and I'm starting the DVD and she's been about 
seven or eight, and she's only just starting to show a bit of interest, which is good. You yeah. know, it's good that blokes are going to see that if a dog's not, you know, hooking straight in, then they're no good. Yeah. That's a bit of an old flirty, but, you know. No, well, I've, I've, I've seen it um, firsthand. Um, that, yes. that's, that's not true. Um, no. I had one dog, she'd run the other way. And then yeah, by the exactly. by the other by the end of it, she was um, yeah, she mm. she was really she ended up being psychotic. She just just wouldn't stop. So um, mm. yeah, but more often than not, they're 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 a little bit more smart because they've got that dog preservation and that awareness. So they end up being a all round better dog than the one with no self preservation that just mm. sails in, and they've usually got a short lifespan. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Now, well, Dad's oh, one of Dad's favourite dogs. Um, when I was a child, he always tells a story that she used to sit on the bank for the first ten pigs, and she just watched. Mm-hmm. You know, like they used to work the walk the creek along the Burdekin yep. the river. Well, it was not the creek, but walk the river on the Burdekin River, and he always remembers uh, dispatching the pig and looking up, and Pips just sitting, sitting, you know, calmly watching the um, watching what was going on. So um, yeah, just processing, taking it all in. Yeah, and like I think she was only six months at the time. He was just yep. giving, and, and I think. That happened for quite a few months, and in the end, she ended up being. Well, I remember her as a child when I was a kid, and she was unreal. Like she would, um, she'd you'd be driving down the road, and she'd start howling, and um, yeah. all that kind of stuff. You know, she just wanted to go catch a pig for you, but um, everything, everything you want in them. Yeah, yeah, you know, one of those dogs that just ah, oh, she was tough. She was, she was a great dog. Cause, um, I, I don't know what you like in a dog. We'll, we'll get into that, but you know, yeah, I was. I would have been five, six, seven, and I remember my childhood with her around all the time. And you know, like my younger brother, they're three. My brother and sister, they're three years younger than me. And they would have been hanging off her, you know. Like <laughs> we were, we were lying on the dogs, and I remember her having a, a litter of puppies, and we just sat out in the backyard and and just played with the pups nonstop. And um, she didn't give a, a, a hoot. Yeah, you know, she'd come up and give us a, a lick and stuff, but she was she was a great dog. Um, so, what what do you see? Like, what are you looking for in a dog, mate? When you're I don't know if you're purchasing or you're giving you're giving a dog, or what do you what do you look for when you see a dog? Uh, I guess, mate, the first thing I'd look for is I want to know what motivates it. Um, I, you know, I learned off these professional trainers that it doesn't matter what dog you get, um, and it doesn't matter what you think or reward for it but the, the dog has to well you have to find out what motivates it and what the dog wants as a reward um, and then you can go from there you know you can start training the dog then um, but the main thing is to find out exactly what will motivate them and make it and make them want to want to work for you uh, that's for me that's the secret as soon as you found that well you're you're straight in you're halfway there so when you say motivate you mean like food pats um yep. Exactly. Is there any uh, other? Know, is there anything else to that? Yeah, generally it's generally it's food, affection, or toys. So okay. it's you know, and it can be a variety of each too. People just oh, there's just three things that motivates a dog. It's either food, you know, pats or toys. But there's different types of foods. There's different types of affection and pats, and there's different types of toys. Um, you know, it can be a ball, or it can be a tug toy. You know, it could be a, a a little tickle under the chin, or it can be a really big, you know, big hat. Um, rub down the backbone and a, and a pat on the ribs, or it can be anything from barbecue chickens or a piece of kibble. <laughs> um, so it's yeah, I mean it's 
once you scratch the surface, it, uh, it runs pretty deep and you can get lost in it. But I'll try and keep it super simple because that's why it's blue collar canines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's... Yeah. Um... I, I do I do like the name. It's, it's actually a really good name. So yeah, my lovely wife came up with that because I needed something a little, little professional, but also a bit blue collar, which is where it came from when we just said that. And she went, "Hold on." So, no, um, I, it's, it's a good name. I, I'm looking at the, the bottom bit. It says education. So what do you do there? Like I know you're bringing out DVD, and we can talk about that in a minute. But you you what are you you're putting up videos online, which I've seen, but that um that fence jumping video, oh, I loved it, and um I you know I think I even wrote a comment, which for people who know who know me, I'm not a big commenter because normally yep. um the way I'm dyslexic and all all the rest, I just I, I reread my stuff uh, a week later and go Jesus Christ, um <laughs> so I think I even commented saying that yeah really good video mate I love it um, nice. So yeah, so tell us, tell, tell us about the um, you know, like the business. Uh, can people yeah. contact you and ask for help, or what? What's yeah, the they can, mate. I, I mean, I started it basically just to make. I saw what Steve Austin and I and Tate were doing with their spring spaniels, and and like uh, you know, they cleared a Macquarie Island of rabbits, you know, which was an enormous task. Like every rabbit got eradicated off the island by these dogs. You know, these are like wonder dogs, and I thought, well, when talking with them. What, what our dogs do is no different. You know, they've got a target odor, they search and find it, and, and they work very well for us. And I thought they need to, pig dogs need to get a little bit more recognition and, and you know, lift their profile a bit. And that's that's kind of why I started the page, to show what, what pig dogs can do. I actually called them, you know, dealing with a few government bodies, I call them invasive stop detection dogs, you know, and that, that, that word straight away, people go, what? And then you can you can talk about what they do because if you go, oh, you know, I've got pig dogs, instantly a red flag goes up and they just shut you down. Exactly. I, um, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So we, I kind of use that to get the foot in the door and um, and to try and change their perception. And by doing the videos, like there's plenty of the dog training videos of, oh, this is your dog doing this, X, Y, and Z, but I kind of like to try and make up the processes of actually getting there and, and people don't just see a finished product because... You know, most people can just film that at the end, but how to actually get to there and get to that place and break it down into the steps for the dog. Um, and yeah, I, I came up with some workshops, um, designed a little workshop, PowerPoint presentation, training videos, and actually do demos for um, a little workshop for pig hunters. Um, and I've been doing those for sort of doing a bit years. I went up through Queensland last year and did half a dozen um, through there, and I've I've been slack. I haven't done any for nearly 12 months working on this DVD and, and family and, and work and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I help pet dogs as well. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. I got, you know, I obviously charge for my services and help out any dogs that I can and I'll just pass off the ones that I can't. Like, if something's out of my, out of my sort of education and, and level of working, you know, the most dangerous thing you can do is pretend you know something about something and, and take it on and, and ruin either the dog or the person. So, um, yeah, I just specialise in, in basic obedience and and then the, the hunting side of things, you know. Okay. Yeah. So um, so you got this DVD coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about that or are you trying to keep yeah, it top mate. secret? Well, or? I'm, I'm, no, no, I mean, I'm, 
trying. It's a, it's actually quite a hard task trying to film stuff and get you know from way to go thing happening. Um, and that just started because at a, a fair, I mean, there's there's rarely a day goes by that I don't get inboxed by a hunter asking for some advice on some problem, um, which I don't mind helping with. You know, I mean, it's, sometimes I don't get to it because sometimes pretty flat out here. But I thought, you know, if I do a DVD. Guys can then see a puppy from you know six eight weeks old up to catching pig and and everything in between that I've used to get there. So um, you know it's so it's you... a bit of filming for the first six months of just setting the dog up at home and getting her doing what you need her to do out in the bush you know, without the distractions of that. And then um, you know she's just at that stage now. She's seen I don't know six eight ten pigs and she's not she's a little too smart. And, Bit too much self-preservation there, and she's just starting to have a bit of a bark and a carry on now. But it, um, it'll be good for people to see that your dog doesn't have to fall into the first pig it sees. Um, yeah, so that's going to be interesting when that all hopefully comes together. So you're you filmed you filmed this this dog um, from pretty much a pup stage, and you're and what you're doing is filming her, um, training her while you're filming and doing the whole thing until she's like catching a pig or yeah yeah well i started you know i've got a little pen set up in the in the playroom inside and you know i had her in that and showed every session of this is how i'm gonna i use a clicker to train young dogs and puppies and uh, as a marker for behavior and and pups they're really focused and they love it so my i started off you know i showed how to start the clicker off I started just how you get the dog to sit how you get the dog down how you get the dog to stay and like and like most sessions of, of building on that and you know there's some failures in it I'll ask the dog to do this and it'll just walk off and won't do it and but that's what people need to see that that is dog training yeah um, and you know everything then from walking on a lead to I started doing some scent detection stuff with her um, so she knows what she's looking for out in the bush and I was actually up in Varel with Ned Makeham on the weekend and you know like I said she's seen a fair few pigs now and not she's keen and she's interested in them but she's not doing her thing and and uh, you know we were in amongst all the blackberries and she was nose to the ground and following into where pigs were in the berries and actually going into the berries which I was very surprised at for her, her softness and her brains but she knew what she was smelling she just didn't know what was at the end of it and um, yeah she found out pretty quickly so, so. <laughs> putting one, one and one together <laughs> exactly yeah. I mean the scent detection stuff you know some some people think it's a bit of a joke but at the end of the day the majority of pig hunters aren't out once a week you know there's a lot of pig hunters that are only out a few times a year with their dogs and it's you know it's science based stuff from professional people so it's not just a you know snake oil salesman type thing but you can actually imprint an odour on a dog and, and get it knowing what it needs to find and you do that at home, and you can actually go one step further and then teach it to ignore sense. So you might get um, some sheep, cow, fox, you know, rabbit, kangaroo sense, and you can teach the dog to ignore those and just target onto the pig scent. And that dog's, you know, a million miles ahead than a dog that hasn't done it when it goes out into the field. So yeah, okay. Obviously, it's got, to deal, it's got to deal with the environment. You know, a kangaroo hopping past is totally different than just smelling it because it's got a big lug toy hanging off the end of its tail bouncing around. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'd much rather teach a dog as much as I can before it gets into the bush than, than not, you know? so. Yeah. Yeah, so 
when you're okay. No, I just find that interesting because I, I, I nothing. I, I love um, like I used to go hunting with a guy. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, with he had big bull Arabs up in Kingaroy, and um, I hadn't done a huge amount of uh, like dog scenting, like ute finding. I hadn't done a lot yep. of ute finding. Um, because when we were younger, it was always walking or we were shooting ruse. So you know, you couldn't really have a dog off because. You know, you, you spend half a night chasing a dog around a paddock because they're looking for a pig. And this is the days before tracking collars. So, yep. um, I went when I was in King Aurora, I had this guy, Clayton Graham, and, and he had a, a very... Oh, his persona with the dogs would just... Um, you know, like, he, he he talked to them directly. He was very firm. Never touched them. Like, he, he patted them when, once they caught a pig. And he was very... Oh, I don't... I. All I remember was his persona. Um, he had three dogs, and this main dog, I just could never get over it because he was just. I'm not a you know I'm not a bull Arab lover or anything like that, but I'm, I'm a dog lover. And um, mm-hmm. watching this, yeah, you recognise a good dog whether it's a poodle or a yeah, Arab. exactly, exactly. And like this thing, just just no lights on. We got up to the, the spot, and he just floated off off the back of the Ute, and. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, obviously, there's a, the big thing, you know, there's pig hunters and pig chasers. Well, this dog, you know, and, and Clayton, they knew what they were doing because he he trained this dog. And he had two other dogs on the back there. And he was telling me how he runs his, you know, how he runs his dogs. How this dog was, I think it was called JD, I think it was. He was the, the lead dog. And then he had uh, a middle dog who was kind of, he was always the backup. Or, like, he would always follow JD. And then he had a young and up-and-coming pup. And JD only jumped. And when he jumped, there was always a pig. And it was just, it was it impressed me more. Every, like, there's a night when I, I was pumped. I just couldn't get over it because it was just awesome. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, when JD jumped, he, he jumped. Um, until, I should I should say, until the last bit where he didn't jump and there was a pig lying down right beside the road. Yeah. Um, what I'm trying to say is how... How do you get that dog to start finding and scenting? And um, like, can you tell the listeners how? You know, is there easy ways to do it? Because as a kid, I remember Dad walking around with pigskin with the pups, and he'd put a bit on a bit of a stick and and drag it along the ground and go and hide it somewhere. And it's always yep. interesting to watch the pups go and find it. Like, how how do you do it? How do how do you yeah, get a dog I mean, to find? I, I a lot of that info, like I said, the previous people I mentioned, but also uh, Katrina Hartwell. She's up at uh, Emerald in Queensland, and she's been hunting for a long time. Same sort of Ned Makem, and and you know I've learned a lot of those two guys. And Katrina put me onto this sort of method as well. With you can do it with puppies that a lot of the hound guys will do overseas. The European guys is that they'll actually imprint the odor of a boar on the pups from basically the day they're born. So they'll actually use rag with boar scent on it and they'll rub down the bitches nipples and teats and and they'll have the scent underneath their food bowls but basically from day dot there's just that positive association of the target odor that they without thinking know that if i smell that something good happens which is food and then as they grow that then transfers over to well the dogs the pig dogs ultimate reinforcer that there is nothing better of is actually engaging pig yeah. So, you know, you can wave the tug toy or throw a whole barbecue chicken at the dog and it's just going to go for a pig every time. 
and they put two and two together really quickly that that's that same motor and at the end of it's that reinforcer. Um, so, I mean, I haven't done that with, with pups and bitches. Um, you know, I'd be interested in doing it and seeing how quickly they find or if they find faster than other dogs. Um, I've done a little bit with the litter I just had here now, just with um, sent stuff around their food bowls. But I'll generally, I'll generally just start a dog um, with the scent right in front of them and then you either say, you know, good dog or yes, or use a clicker as soon as they touch it with their nose uh, or even when they start to look at it. You know, you walk up and I use a um, cotton wool ball soaked in raw urine and semen um, and get a bit of hair from around where the scent glands are and use that as well. Um, and you just basically put that in front of the dog and the dog will obviously look at it and smell it and as soon as they do that you just um, you mark it so it's yes good boy or clicker or whatever and then a bit of food or a tug toy or whatever they want whatever their motivation or their reward is um, and in no time at all you follow some pretty set steps you'll get that dog finding that little cotton wool ball for that reward um, oh. you know all the, all the dogs are individual some will Within a couple of sessions, I'll be running, you know, 30 meters to find this this ball, or, or others might still be at the st- stage one or two. Just depends on the individual dog, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Mm. And I mean, there's a lot of really, really, I guess, more intricate bits of scent scent detection and contamination. So, like the, you know, I drag around the boar skin. Whether you, you know you could do it on a quad, and, or some people walk, and you know, but, but ultimately you're still leaving your scent trail as well, and and some of the pups can be finding that, and then getting to the boar skin. Ah, uh, um, yeah. yeah. So they can be can be mucking up what scent they're actually looking for, getting a bit confused there. You might be, yeah, they found the pig skin, but they've actually just followed your smell because they've known it since day dot, and and they found it. So we get the dog to find the boar scent straight away in front of you or in front of the dog and then when you move it further out you actually flood the whole area with your scent so if i was say, just in a, a normal sized backyard i would you know put the dog when it came time to actually get the dog to find it when it's done all the prior steps and it knows what it's looking for i'd go and hide it in the garden but then i'm going to run around the whole backyard zigzag up and down through the garden you know mm. all over the shop yeah. And I'm going to let, leave it for half an hour for all the scent to then settle. So that whole area is flooded with my my tracks and my scent. And then the dog's still got to wade through all that to find that little little boar odor. So, okay. All right, well, here's a different question. How long does a, a scent last for? As in, um, I, I was talking to Scotty Stewart um, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying that he, he would... He'd have a blind up for his um, his bow hunting, and yep. he would walk into there and obviously try and cover his tracks. Um, you know, so he'd think where the pig would come from. So he'd stay away from where that happened. Mm-hmm. But the pig would walk across his scent and bolt, and that would have been. Yeah, two... I, listened, I listened to that one. Yeah, he said it cut his scent, and it was something like two hours later. Yeah, and people yeah. say your scent only hangs around for forty five minutes, and I mean, yeah, I think there's a lot of not wives' tales, but there's too many variables. So it will, it will depend on, you know, the, the type of um, substrate on the ground. It'll depend on the humidity. It'll depend on the heat. It'll depend on the wind. It'll depend on the actual odour itself. Whether you're, you know, if you're walking along in bare feet and you're sweating, 
obviously you're going to leave a lot more of a scent trail than if you're in shoes and you're, you know, fully covered head to toe in winter. So, yeah, it's one of those variables that I don't think you can be right or wrong with, you know, the scent. A dog can only smell what it can smell. Like you just said about old JD, you know, there'd be a pig near the road and you didn't smell it. Well, you know, I've, I've been in that situation, I don't know how many times. Um, I was actually just talking to Ned about it the other day. We, we went on a hunt a few months back and we spotted pigs uh, up the side of a hill, probably, well, it wouldn't even be 300 metres from us, and they were just feeding with their heads down in the long grass and the wind was coming, what seemingly to us was straight at us. And the dogs were reacting a bit, but they weren't going off the ute. And it was, you know, we sort of went, well, what's going on? Um, and I actually, I crept the ute forward literally about, wouldn't have even been 10 metres, and it was just like those dogs got a... I shot up the arse, they just, <laughs> that, that scent hit them, and we'd, we'd moved about eight metres, and bang, straight up, bang, hit big. And we just both went, okay, that's pretty cool. Just uh, scent You never stop learning how scent and odour and scent cones and all that grip. And, yeah, it's a little too technical for me, but, you know, it just shows you. You'd be having blokes going, there's shit dogs, and then the next thing, you'd, you'd moved eight metres, and the dogs have gone, bang, straight up there. Yeah. So, you can't, yeah. That, my old boy is always... Um, you know, we were, we did a lot of walking, you know, yep. and he always used to say to me, you know, I, you know, like we, we, we'd go hunting with, you know, Trace Crane and stuff. And a lot of people don't realize Trace does a lot of walking. Um, yeah. and he does a lot of driving too, but he catches his pigs. Well, uh, a lot of the big fellas while he's walking and yep. he'd always used to say to me, you know, get out and walk it. If you think, you know, if you think there's a pig there. Go and walk it because yeah. the dog will fight, hit the scent, and then, and I, I, you always see, you know, the dog will jump and the dog will backtrack. Um, you know, like, oh, there's a video of, um, I was editing last night actually, and um, yeah, it was with Jamie O'Toole's dogs. Um, yep. And they hit the scent, and then you can see them working out which way the pig went, and um, they backtracked. They went all they went. They must have gone the way the pig come in, and then they've just flown straight past the ute. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, they've obviously backtracked on, on that on that um, on that scent real quickly, and they end up catching the pig. And it's just interesting to watch the dogs on that scent because they hit it. It, it took a little yeah. bit to get it, but you know, my old boy always said to me, "If you think there's a pig there, and the dogs aren't picking it up. Get out and walk." And, um, yeah, you know, normally 100% so. totally agree with that. Or even, I mean, that's the best way to get dogs working and finding is on the ground with them. Yeah. A lot of us these days, they either don't have the time or the patience and the, or the, you know, enthusiasm to go and do that because we've got buggies and quads and, and utes. But, um, yeah, I mean, I always, you know, if I don't get out and walk, I'll turn around and drive back, you know, exactly the way I come. Yeah. Um, because sometimes it's just enough. I had it, had it the other night in some long grass that, we poked along the edge of a creek with a mountain to the other side of us and dogs got keen but didn't jump and it was a better K stretch and I said, Oh bugger, let's just turn around and go back and see if they if they actually get what they're, they're sort of looking for and yeah, you know, halfway along they just bang straight off and, and down in the creek there's a couple of pigs. So if you you just yeah, it's too easy to blow them off and go, oh, there's nothing here. But the dogs don't lie, sometimes they just need a bit of help. Yeah, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. So You've been talking about this clicker. Um, mm-hmm. I've never used a clicker. I've always, uh, you know, you like you said, looking for the the praises and stuff. I, I yep. I've always been either food or pats. Um, yep. 
How do you, how does a clicker work, mate? Yeah, so the clicker is a, a oh, I guess, a professional training tool developed by, I'm pretty sure it was a horse lady, to be honest. And marine mammal trainers are renowned for using whistles um, to mark behaviours. Um, and yeah, clicker was developed by a professional trainer as a, as a marker, which is basically when, the best way to describe it is, um, if you want a dog to sit, the, the instant the dog's bum touches the ground, it's like taking a snapshot, a photo of it. The instant its bum hits the ground, you would click the clicker, and the dog has the clicker paired to it prior. So basically, all you do is you've done a few videos of it on blue collar canines. You just sit there, sit down in a chair or whatever, and the dog's walking around you, and you just click the clicker. You don't say anything, just click and just drop a bit of food. You know, click, drop a bit of food, and you might do that half a dozen times, and then good dog, see you later, and repeat it again another few sessions, and usually after about the fourth or fifth click. The dog's spinning around when you click to go, where's the food? Because uh, they just know as a conditioned reinforcer that if I hear that click, some food comes. Yeah. Um, so once that's paired to them, the clicker then has meaning. And you can then, instead of saying yes or good dog, when that dog's bum touches the ground, you don't say anything, you just go click and then drop a bit of food or give them a pat or throw the ball. Uh, reward. Okay, yep. So what that does is... <clears throat> it becomes extremely clear and extremely consistent to the dog because you can say, good dog, or you can be all pumped, and, yeah, good dog, or you can have hard, half lost your voice. And you know, for puppies or new dogs, consistency is very good. And there's nothing more consistent than a click because it's the same click whether it's now or in 10,000 clicks. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just a very crystal clear marker for them. And, and I, I always start my pups off on it. And then I transfer over to saying yes or good or whatever you want to do to mark it. But it, it's just something that I've been taught, I guess, and that I do. And especially with new dogs, that I get a dog in from the pound or something. It's something that's new to them and they just respond to it really well. Because it's that, it grabs their attention, you know, it's click. And they just, if I walked out into the backyard now, all my dogs are in their kennels and I clicked, you know, even the older dogs, they'd all sit up and just go, yep, what's going on? We're on. Where's it at? <laughs> so. <laughs> That's really so. Do you use that click method um, out while hunting, mate, or is it just? No, nah, and that's the other podcast I did with the, the pro trainer guys, and we were talking about. It. I said I don't run around the bush with a, a pouch <laughs> full of chicken and a clicker going, "Yeah, good dog, yeah, get off the pig and have some chicken." Um, well, I just use it to train behaviours, you know, um, no distraction, and and get a very, you know, very clear established behavior and this is what i want and the click means yep you've done the right thing and, and they just feed off it you know it's it all comes down to the individual dog but i've never i've never trained a dog that hasn't responded well to a clicker um, yeah. So yeah it's it's something different it's like some people think it's some little magical tool but it's, it's you can do it with a whistle with commands as well or, or, or you know marking behaviors so it's um it's actually known as a bridge so when you're trained a behavior any behavior you give the command, then you bridge, which is either the click or the yes, the good dog, and then you and then you reward. So the, obviously the bridge is just joining the, the command and the reward, pairing that for the dog. Uh, you know that's why you can go outside and go good dog, and they all pick their ears up. And go oh yeah, yes I am. 
So <laughs> I'll have to give it a go. I'll, um, yeah. I'll, I'll... Oh, it's neat. And they're only bloody, they're only five bucks on eBay. You know, they're, yeah. they're cheap. And you buy a bunch of them because you always lose the bloody things. You know? so, <laughs> and then your kids get a hold of them. They're running around going, yeah. and the dogs are just going, what's going on? What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's drive a dog's nuts in the end. <laughs> but it's great for kids to train dogs, you know, because they can just grab a, a treat pouch and a, or a toy and the, and the clicker. And, you know, these puppies will just look at this little human as long as you, it's no the process. Yeah. Um, it's almost like the remote control, you know, so. So, talking about, um, well, I won't say, I won't say kids, but um, mm. can you can you overtrain a dog? Or how, how much time should you put into, into okay, well, let's just, for example, um, you know, you get a 12-week puppy. How yep. much time should you put into a, a little pup to a, um, a, a 12-month pup? Well, you can certainly overtrain a dog, and it can be even worse than no training at all. Um, so, yeah, my my sessions are anywhere from thirty seconds to maximum three minutes for any dog, whether it's puppy or, or older dogs, and that just keeps them keeps them fresh and keeps them switched on. And I always finish with them wanting to do more, because there's always the old just one more rule. And as soon as you think just one more, that's when you've got to stop. So, you know, for example, I was teaching a dog to jump a fence and you know it, it jumped straight over a life fence and i'm like yeah that's awesome you know reward the dog in the session put it away for 20 minutes half hour then get it out and do it again don't mm. go oh i jumped the life fence really easy i'm going to bump it up and then oh, the dog okay. fails when it's only just started and then it, it can just go oh, i don't want to play that game anymore that sucked yeah you know? yeah okay um so yeah certainly you can overtrain the dog and it can it can you know set the dog up for failure rather like i said you know, it's um, it can be worse than no training, but um, it's just learning the individual dog. Some dogs will tolerate long training sessions, but you know, people go, oh, "I haven't got the time to train my dog," and it's that's just a cop out. You know, everyone's got thirty seconds twice a day to walk outside, and you know, just even it's not formal training, but every time they come out of the cage, and it can be something different. You know, that, that was going to be my know. next question: is is when yep. you when you like. Um... Yeah, obviously you got pens. Um, mm-hmm. Majority hunters either on a chain or pen, or yeah. Yeah. My dogs are normally house dogs. Um, when when you like, for example, let them off the chain or let them out of the pen, are you are you doing something with them, or is it just let them go and let they do their thing? Or well, actually, um, there's a, a great deal of good science on on variability or, or being random. That it's good to be consistent to train and behavior but then it's good to be inconsistent so the dog's thinking because you know if you get them into a good muscle memory of you know just say for example you sit and you wait and you open the door and then and you get the dog to stay for 10 seconds every single time basically that's all that dog will ever know and it'll just do that whereas you one day you want the dog to come out quicker and it'll stay there for 10 seconds and uh, yep. um, it, it's a bit of a bad example, but it can. I, I like the dog to be constantly switched on, looking at me, going, "When can I get released? Is it in two seconds' time or two minutes' time?" Um, you know what I mean? It's uh, same with their food to eat. Some some nights I'll literally open the cage door, put the bowl in front of the dog, and say, "Yes, all right," you know, release them, and they'll be like, "What?" Whereas most days it's sit, stay, and they'll wait anywhere from two seconds to two minutes. until I release them for the food and what that does is it just they don't become complacent and you don't become you know the same all the time because one day when something is different the dog will be like will be confused or won't be able to process or 
it just builds a, a more a more switched on and dog that's you know always listening. Um, you know, changing your words up too. You can tell a dog to sit and stay, and then my release command is is usually um, okay. So that's that dog can then you know get up and go or eat its dinner and just throw some other words out. You know, tell them sit, stay, and then say tomato. You know, Wednesday, <laughs> um, lollies. Uh, okay, and see how the dog responds. Most dogs that have just always been trained the same way, you go sit, stay, you know, Wednesday, and the dog just bolts because he, has, he hasn't heard what he wanted to hear. He's just heard a word because yeah. he knew he was getting released. Yeah. So, oh, it's, yeah. Um, so, yeah, mate, it's, it's a little confusing, all this stuff for a lot of people. I was, when I was in the deep end with it, I was a little overwhelmed, but yeah. No, sort of no, I, I it, think it makes sense. I, um, I had I had a good chat to my mate Jamie the other night, um, and he, he, you know, we we're talking about your videos, and we'd love it. Um, is there is there a demeanor you you need to have, mate, when you like um, like Clayton had a very oh, I shouldn't I wouldn't say strict, but um, he had a very positive, reassuring um, demeanor he when he hunted. Strong leader, he, oh, he would have oozed, you know oozed good leadership basically. Yeah, so like when you're hunting and when you're training, do you have that demeanor at all times? Like, can the obviously the dog picks up because when I when I used to walk my dogs, um, you know, walk a creek for look for a pig, um, you know, you, the dogs would get two three hundred meters up and they're still glancing back at you, making sure you know, like they're obviously waiting for a command or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is there a demeanor you need to have when you're training a dog or? Um, yeah, I mean, I. I... Just, yeah, dogs feed off a lot of energy, um, and you can't hide your energy. And I learned that from the elephants. You know, they're extremely smart animal. But, you know, they're smarter than us, basically. Brain to body size, they, their their ratio is bigger, and uh, yeah, we ain't going to all that. But I learned off you know large animals that are very smart that your your demeanour and your energy that you give off is very important. And your dogs feed off all that, and you can't hide it. You know, you can't pretend that you're not cranky when you are and you can't pretend that you're not sad when you are because the dog will see straight through that because dogs obviously can't speak English to each other so they read, they read body language and that's exactly what they're reading off us all the time as well as listening to yeah, the English commands that we pair with behaviours for them but uh, mate, yeah, you got to have, you know, I say you've got to have a good sense of humour and not much ego um, because, you know, animals always keep you honest, you can talk as much talk as you want but ultimately you throw an animal in front of you and it'll make you into a liar at some point <laughs> um, so, so you know yeah, I take it for the situation Look with puppies I'm, and I sound like a 16 year old schoolgirl. you know like yeah good dog sit you know all this stuff <laughs> but, but puppies puppies respond really well to that you know they're, they're not a two year old entire male big tough dog they're a, they're a tiny little puppy that is very fragile yeah. and you want to I want to help build build them into that strong, stable, mentally and psychologically stable animal that can cope with pressure. Um, yeah. You know, so, and yeah, and then on where we're hunting, well, yeah, you're a little more serious, and but they know, you know, all the boys are in the ute, you know, my, my son, my daughter comes sometimes, but my son's in the ute, you know, he, he collars up a dog as well, and, you know, they know, they know exactly what's going on, you know, what the energy's like, but uh, a lot of it, I think, where people can look at things is when when you're stock proofing um you know you a good example is you're driving along and 
you know, you see pigs. So, of course, everyone goes, pigs, get out of them and all that stuff. Yeah. Of course, that's the dogs go and they do their thing. And then you're driving along with a young dog loose on the back and, you know, I'm, I'm one very much the management side. Just, uh, I don't trust dogs unless they've really, really earned it. But, you know, you throw a young dog on the back and you drive past a mob of sheep and they run or a mob of roos and they hop off and that dog will obviously notice and probably prick its ears and you go, no, 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 leave it. Yeah. And ultimately, you just pair those two together. Dig, 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 get old, get old. No, 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 leave it. It's the same energy coming out of you. Even yeah. though you're egging them on or half sort of panicking and trying to stop them. Ultimately, it can be misconstrued by the dog, and that's when the young dog will jump and can make a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, energy is very. You just the best off. The best thing is obviously to have them so you know they're not going to jump and chase them, but just just ignore them. They just they're part of the landscape, and they don't mean anything because ultimately, you know, when dogs make mistakes, it's not their fault. It's our fault. Yeah, we've we've stuffed up, and and you know the dogs unfortunately done something that shouldn't have, and that's that's on us. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that what you just said then, um, I've I've made a video on, you know, the basic training of how to make a pig, you know, how to train a pig dog, and mm-hmm. I kind of mentioned that as well, it's, you know, like you see, a, I, I talk about having a long rope when you're walking through sheep and cattle, um, yeah, you know, and like... Best thing ever, best thing ever, mate, Telstra rope, 30 metres of it, yep. beautiful. <laughs> do you, do you believe, do you, a quick one, do you believe in electric collars and that stuff? Oh, mate, look, you know, they're illegal down here. Um, and I'll say, you know, unfortunately, because there are some dogs that their lives would be saved with a remote e-collar. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of controversy with it, like any any tools, you know, there's check chains or, or prong collars on dogs that, you know, people have issues with. But at the end of the day, any tool, it doesn't matter if you've got a two-inch wide flat lead, a flat collar on your dog, you can use that the wrong way and hurt that dog. So yeah. it all comes down to like anything. You know, uh, uh, an arborist can use a chainsaw to hack a tree or prune it, you know, prune it nicely to the Australian standard. Yeah. So, you know, e- remote e-collars, yeah, it's it can save it can save a dog's life when it's when it's used. You know, it can be used. People think they're just a punishment tool as well, which they're not. They can be used as, as a working tool. You can use very very low levels of stimulation or yeah. vibration yeah. to actually communicate to the dog. You know, and the police and the military use them and you know you can talk to a dog basically through these collars you know they can be k away from you yeah so you know uh, yeah i won't get right into it i mean personally i don't use them i have used them a few times in queensland helping blokes out with problem dogs and like if they're done the right way it's absolutely well it's not none of it's with you none of the aversives with you the dog basically thinks that a a lightning bolt shot out of that sheep's ass and and, <laughs> and and they want nothing to do with it. But when it comes down to saving a dog's life, you've got to weigh that up. You know, yeah. my my preferred method is lots and lots of consistent exposure with the same outcome, which is on a long lead. Yeah. You've got control of the dog, you've got control of the, the sheep and that's why I've got sheep here at home and I've got two black ones because I really want to test the dogs out because like us how many times do you get fooled by the old stump pig or the, the black old, sheep? The old stump pig, yeah, plenty yeah. of times. <laughs> so, yeah. So I get the black sheep and the young dogs go, oh, it's a pig, and it's like, no. And good old black Betty, she'll staunch them. She stamps at the dogs and puts her head down and makes many a young dog rethink their, their actions. Oh, I, lo- uh, I love the name, Black Betty. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah, she's Black Betty, and, and I can't actually remember the other ones. I remember the blank, but, mate, they've trained many a dog. They're bloody, they're worth their weight in gold, even in this drought there. They're yeah. not going anywhere. So, 
No, in the, in the video I did, uh, yeah, like what you just said there is, um, I talk about, you know, making sure that you have, you know, like for example, um, oh, I had, I, I got a cameraman um, that, that helps me out, he's a good mate, Tomo, he was on the first podcast, um, good mate of mine, he's never really done much hunting, but he, he's got a Labrador, he loves the Labrador, um, he's done a really good job of training her, um, but he'd never gone hunting or anything like that um, on a consistent basis. And I said to him, you know, if there's ruse or, you know, cattle and stuff, just don't even look at them. Don't pay attention to them. And I tried to give him a demonstration. I didn't film it because, you know, I, I just wasn't thinking about filming at the time. But, you know, there was a, a couple of ruse running across the road. And I said, don't even look at them. And the, the dogs, are, you know, at the time I was using dad's dogs. They, did, they didn't even worry about them. They weren't even worried. Um, then I said to him, next time we drive past, act a little bit more excited. You know, we'll both act a little bit more excited and see the difference of, of the the attitude change. And obviously, you know, like it, uh, like uh, that happened and the dogs changed totally. And he said, oh, well, what's that? I said, well, it's, the deme- you know, our demeanor is we're excited. We want to go catch that thing. And he's like, ah, oh, okay. So I said, next time, yeah, I don't pay attention to roos or emus or, you know, cows and sheep and stuff like that. So it was just one of those little experiments that I, I wanted to show him. And, um, <clears throat> it works a treat. Cause you know, we've got, we've got a Kelpie there. He's pretty switched on. And yeah, he's, he's all about pigs, but in his early days, he used to, used to do a bit of cattle work. Um, you know, Obviously, the farmer farmer gave him away because he he wasn't um, he wasn't you know he didn't make the cut on um, on cattle. But um, in the end, you know, he he's a he's an unreal dog for for the amount of training and and yeah you know, he's done oh he's done trips up to Cape York and everywhere and he's a great little dog. Um, end up my brother ended up breeding him um, to one of his cattle haulers and and Manny and Bryce um, from Hogs Dogs and Cords have got a pup and. Um, Strangely, we've been seeing a lot of a lot of um, CJ in the in the photos recently. So, um, nice. yeah, no, they're just, smart than Kelby's mate. They're almost human. Oh, he, um, yeah, Clint, Clint, uh, Dad's Kelpies. He's pretty interesting. Like my um, four-year-old, when we'd um, head home, he he'd be in the backyard, and he'd end up getting sick of her, and he'd go and jump in the neighbor's <laughs> yard, and um, <laughs> just to avoid her. Because yeah, right. I don't know, like I, I, yeah, I'm pretty. I watch the kids very closely around dogs, but um, yeah, yeah like, sure. these these dogs are, are very um, yeah, you can lie all over, lie all over. I mean, they're highly highly intelligent. Those working ones, but right? yeah, um, I had one that I sold to Ned because I just didn't have the work for him, and he needed to work several times a week. And mate, he is nearly human. Like he'll spot a pig and he'll stalk in on it, like we're stalking to shoot it with a bow. <laughs> you know, the pig's got its head down. He walks in and he'll look back at us and he'll look at the pig and then it lifts its head so he freezes. And then it puts its head down and he walks in closer and then he gets to that point where he just rushes it. Yeah. And it's just, it's a pisser to watch him. You're almost in hysterics watching his little antic. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's, yeah, they're, they're characters and go all bloody day. Oh, I just couldn't believe, you know, how, how yeah, like the, just the reactions of our demeanour, you know, and how smart yeah. they can be, you know, like he, I couldn't believe it. I, I, walk outside I literally left my daughter for you know my four year old on the trampoline and she's carrying on and, and playing and trying to get dad's dogs to, to and get involved and this thing had 
he obviously got the shits and going, I'm getting away from this loud. Hell, man. Yeah. <laughs> Just jumped the six-foot fence. Meanwhile, the next-door neighbour's got this um, 50, 60-kilo Neo-Mastiff. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, he's, he's shitting himself going, what's this cattle dog doing in my backyard? Uh, this, this Kelpie doing in my backyard, but... Uh, it was just something I thought was hilarious. You know, he's that smart, he just wants to get away. He'll just go jump a fence and do his own thing. So, yeah, yeah I mean, they're totally different to training a, a, a front row meat-headed pig dog. You know, they're just so much more sensitive and, and in tune to different environmental factors rather than the, the old front rower. Just, you know, basically, as long as you feed him and give him a pat and give him somewhere to sleep, he's happy. He'll just do whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that the front row. That's a great, great expression. So, um, yeah. well, how's the pig numbers up your way, mate? Like, um, yeah, struggling with the drought or? Um... Well, mate, yeah, it was. I was a lot. Like, I, I sort of cut back on dogs there and sort of passed off some young dogs that I was just sort of you know rescued and trained up and whatnot. And we'd um, yeah, we've been going some pretty good numbers down to basically nothing. You know, get two or three to run and. Just in the last month or so, they they just sort of, you know, pigs are moving around a lot with the drought. They're disappearing from places that they always have been and they're turning up in places they've never been. Um, and, yeah, you know, we we had a few good runs of sort of up near 20, 20 a run, like 20 a night. And and then, like, last night we went, we did a big night and we only got three. Um, you know, so it's back to, it's kind of gone from, from nothing to a bit of a flood because just the pigs moved in and then we, we've gotten on top of them and then there's just sort of nothing so but, um you know there's a fair bit of traveling involved there's there's, there's a few still around don't worry, but you know it's once again it's the country you've got to have access to that country and it's got to be good country that's got food and water and somewhere from to hide and at the moment there's not many places to hide and there's not much food and there's not much water so yeah which is a bit tough but i mean that's a good thing at the end of the day that's what i started hunting was to get rid of pests so yeah do you um do you do trips um up to Cape York or Northern Territory, mate, or do you try and stay around home or? Yeah, mate, I haven't. I'd, I'd love to. I've got a few sort of blokes that I've made some sort of pretty good friendships with that are up that way, and you know, one day I'll do it. And I'll take the young bloke up, but we we just sort of, you know, I might be getting a bit soft in the age old age, but I don't like travelling too far from home. I got you know I got a fair bit going on here, and I got the wife and the kids and. They're only young once, so there's plenty of time to travel when they grow up and dad's not cool anymore, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, it's fair enough, mate. Um, but, you know, a couple of hours pulls me up and I'm lucky. I only hunt with a handful of decent fellas, you know, just sort of, yeah, I just like to hunt with the family and a couple of close mates and just lucky that they've got good country and, you know, I've got a few half-handy blocks and we just sort of, you know, go for runs with each other and when it's on, it's on and when it's not, you know, it's usually on at your mate's blocks, so... Yeah, yeah. So um, I I I didn't ask you this question before we on the phone were talking, but what are your um, what's your thoughts on social media and um, social media and and pig hunting? Like we we had a bit of a chat on how we you know see things, and I think we've got very similar um, similar views. Um, what's your thoughts? Because I I asked Jamie uh, um Tooley. Uh, last time about this and, and we both you know you're you're a, a dog trainer and you know you're highly regarded in in like in social media if anyone you know has a question I, I always see you're answering or um people messaging you or you know like putting your name in the comments so you can message them what are you know like we're 
I think we're both working towards a you know, a better pig hunting industry, a better community, so to speak. Um, yeah. What's your thoughts on on social media and and pig hunting, and, and oh, mate, hunting I, I, hunting I, altogether? Well, that's it, mate. I think it, it goes back, and it's a bit of a cop out, you know, sitting on the fence. But it just goes back to the old. There's good and bad in everything, you know. And I, and I said that on on the other podcast with those the professional dog trainer guys, and just said, look. You may know, you know, you look at any anything, you know, you look at the police force or, or medical or school teachers or, I mean, religion, they're nearly all bad, but, you know, you look at any yeah. any walk of life, any hobby, any any industry, and there's always going to be the, the bad bits. And there's a, a good guy told me once, he said, you know, if, you, if you're looking for ugly, you'll find it. And and that's what sells stories and media and papers and, and goes viral. And... You know, it, it can be great and it can be terrible. So, you know, if it wasn't for social media, yeah, sure, there wouldn't be some, some bad things getting out there, but it's also helped a lot of people. And I think, as, as we said, you know, even five years ago, uh, the, the whole mentality has changed a lot from, you know, what used to be not so great when a dog would do something that yeah. you didn't want or a bad behaviour, to now it's swung the other way that, you know, the old answer used to be, oh, I'll give it a tune up or get rid of it. Yeah, and, and there was a small percentage of us that said, "Hey, no, you don't need to do that, and you try this, this, and this." And of course, you cop flack, but you know, you got thick skin. I've never been a sheep, and yeah. you know, now it's swung the other way. You know, someone says a comment like that now, and they get jumped all over, or somebody posts a, a shit video that's, you know, actually gone to the other side of the law, yeah. um, because it's a fine line. You know, there's a lot of DVDs out, and that's fine, but there's there's a, a legal side of things that, you know. You've got that that fine line, and once you cross over that, then well, you can get nailed for for animal cruelty. But as long as you stay on the the legal side of things, then it's all good. Yeah, no, exactly, mate. Um, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I I think like with what you said five years ago. Um, obviously, I well, bailing scaling barbecue hadn't started five years ago, but um. It was definitely oh, man, even, I, even I hadn't started five years ago. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like we, yeah, we've got a, we've all got a memory, and I, you know, like I, I remember watching stuff, and I wouldn't comment because um, I didn't feel like it was my place to comment. But sometimes you just go, why, why would you say that, or why would you know? It's just yeah. it, it. Some of the stuff would just blow your mind because you know, yeah, I no, always I think. Yeah, like I always think, well, why would you do that? Or why would you say that? You just, yeah. I And, and like you said, now, now it's a, a totally different, um, you know, like swung now this... Way. Sorry? Yeah, it's swung the other way. Yeah, like, you know, now people can tag, you know, you, uh, you know yourself in it or, um, you know, myself or, or Grunt and Hunt cause we, or um, Frog Dogs. We all, you know, everyone, there's... We're, from what I'm trying to do is build a better community for people to, to, you know, if they have a question, they, like I, I had a guy message me on YouTube the other day saying, Hey, um, what breed would do this and all that kind of stuff. And I said, any dog will do it. Any dog will, will you know, catch a pig. You just gotta obviously, um, you know, you gotta put the bit of work into it. And I don't think that that kid would have asked five years ago because it would have been, I felt like five years ago it was, if you weren't hard or you weren't tough, you were, you know, a very soft, I don't know, you know, you were a loser. Oh, I get you, exactly, mate. And that's the whole um, ego side of things and the whole status of being a, yeah, I'm a bloody pig on a bar. Like, yeah. it's just, and that's why I get a lot of 
<clears throat> private messages. Like I said, nearly, they won't, you know, it's pretty rare for a day to go by that I just don't get one message. And that's because people are too, not embarrassed, but worried about cop and flack yeah. the heroes and, on social media. And yeah. That's the bad side of it is there's no accountability. You know, you can say whatever you want and not get smacked in the mouth for it. Yeah. Um, you know, on the day that they do create an app where you can reach through the screen and grab someone by the throat and things are going to change. <laughs> change it. Change um, it. Go back to square one again. <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. It's yeah. come full circle. So it's, um, yeah, it, it can be used for good and it can be used for not so good, but the amount of people now that are trying to look after our industry and, and do, the, like, the APDHA is a huge one. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you can get one of the, the other guys on, on the podcast to talk more about that. Yeah. But, Without it, pig only be gone. Like there'd be no, absolutely no questions asked yeah. about you know it'd be just gone. The amount of work that the guys and the committee does with governing bodies and you know different states and territories is is unreal. And a lot of people don't know about it. So uh, no, I think I think it's very important. Um, I've got you could do nearly a whole podcast just on that. I think. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't get into that. Yeah, no, you definitely um you definitely could. There's a few few um there's a page that I I follow. Working Dogs Australia, um, mm-hmm. run by uh, uh, there's a few people running it. I'm pretty sure, um, but they they uh, all their standards are through ADH Australia. Um, yeah, because yeah, they code, do, of con- code of conduct and yeah. code of practice and all that. Yeah, like two yeah. pigs, two dogs on a pig, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I I think it's great. Um, Charles, I know Charles. He he's he runs um, he's he runs the page. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also obviously quite a few other guys involved, but oh, I think it's you know that's a, a really good community there. They've got oh, I think they've got five thousand odd followers, and I think that's a great um, great starting point. Is you know I, I try and have standards in my group and my page, um, you know, and obviously I don't want to ever have a bad name because obviously reputation's everything in this in this um, in this oh, world today. Lost, get lost in a second too. You can be such a good person for a long time, and then. One one blemish and that's it. You're gone. Yeah, and that's exactly right. Um, yeah, so I, I really think it's really important to um, you know work together, get a good community, and um, stick together. Um, yeah, which is a, a big. I mean, thing. even I mean, Facebook and I mean, even YouTube, they're they're starting to take down things like, and they you know they when they remove some Logan videos, but even just like bite sports stuff, like it's becoming that crazy with all the some of the like the Malinois and the Shepherds and Roddies and stuff that do their bite sports. Um, you know, YouTube's even removing some of those videos because of these animal animal rights groups and all this sort of stuff. So it's and you can you know you see on Facebook now they don't want live animals sold on Facebook and yeah. all these types of things. So it's all just the belt's tightening slowly, unfortunately, and we've got to find stay one step ahead of it. Yeah, as long as we do the right thing, it should be okay. That's it. Yeah. So um, what's 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 next for you, Tonks? You got um, obviously you're doing your blue collar, uh, canines. Yep. Um, you got any big trips planned or anything like that? Oh, not really, mate. Just yeah, I'll try and sort out this DVD and then do a few more workshops to. We had a, a fair few inquiries as to when I'm going to kick them off again. And well, when you come to Queensland, um, let me know and um, we're um, me and Scotty Fry are looking at doing a, a school. So um, yeah, nice. we're we're. Uh, Definitely be keen to get you on board, or if yeah, if if you're in town at that time, um, try and do a winter because Queensland's too bloody hot. Um, oh yeah, humidity. <laughs> oh, we're gonna do a bit of a, yeah. Well, today's just oh, today's not hot; it's just sweaty. Yeah, the humidity's ridiculous. Sweaty, yeah. yeah, but um, 
know, it was, a, it was a pleasure getting you on, mate, and I'd love to get you on again, and, and we'll get a bit more depth, um, and hopefully we can talk a bit more soon. Yeah, not a problem at all, mate. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you very much, mate. And guys, don't forget to uh, check out Blue Collar Canines Conservation and Education Service, um, or talk to Greg Tonkins on Facebook. You got? Have you got Instagram, mate? Uh, yeah, it's blue collar tonks. I'm trying yeah. to combine them together. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on there much. I just throw a few things up there. But it's mainly Facebook, but um, yeah, I kind of combine the two. On on Facebook, I sort of on blue collar canines. I just keep it more sort of the dog training stuff, and then on my page, my personal page, I put up the hunting stuff, and then on the Instagram, it's kind of both. So, well, there you go, guys. If you want to learn about dogs, um, blue collar canines, conservation and education service, um, or Message Greg and uh, he'll talk to you and, and sort you and get you in the right right area. Um, thanks again, mate, for having us on. Oh, thanks for having on. for you for coming on. God, I can't talk properly today. It's <laughs> that humidity, mate. Oh, I'm sitting in this room. It's like a sweat box. Um, anyway, all right, mate. Thank you very much, and um, we'll um, we'll talk to you talk soon. To you next time. Thanks very much, mate.